You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Well, hello, Grace Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us. If you're here in the auditorium, we want to welcome you. If you're worshiping with us in the venue, we want to welcome you as well. If you're online, whether you're here in Kansas City, somewhere around the country, in Jericho, or you're in Egypt, we want to say hello to you and those of you in the cafe. Happy Mother's Day to everyone that is here. Thank you for you mothers and what you do and what you're going to continue to do. Here I'm going to ask our ushers as I'm wishing our mothers a happy Mother's Day to come and walk up and down the aisles and make sure that if you need a pen or a handout, just raise your hand and just make sure that you get your necessary supplies or whatever you need and we will hook you up. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, put your hand up, take the Bible and you can even take it home with you. It'll be our gift to you. As I said Happy Mother's Day. At the same time, I know that Mother's Day can be a difficult day for many people. I'll never forget the first Mother's Day that we had, my wife and I, Lindsay, after she had a miscarriage. That was a difficult day. That was a difficult time. It was emotional. And whether you're in here and you lost a mother and you're missing her today, or you've lost a child, or you're wanting to have kids and you can't, we just want to know that we're, you to know that we're praying for you. We love you. We care for you. And if you need prayer after the service, our prayer team will be here, and we just love to bless you in that way. So happy Ladies' Day to everyone that is here and all that's involved. So I want to welcome this wonderful panel, these good-looking people, other than myself and Tim, all right? We're not as good-looking. So definitely two thorns. Yes. A bunch of roses between two thorns. Absolutely. Ain't that the truth? So I'm sure a lot of people would agree by the laughter, obviously. Yep. Okay, so we have... Kathy Schlotzauer and David, all right, her much older husband, anyway, and then we have <laughs> Anders, so I could, it just, I just, it was there for the taking, Anders here, and Jaylene, and the Franzons are awesome, Christina, and Kathy Howie, the brains, and the beauty, and the strength behind this man we call totally our senior agree. pastor, Tim Howie. I totally agree. And I'm looking forward to this week, the last several weeks of our Parenthood Discipleship Series, we've taken many questions through texting, emails, interpersonal conversations, and we look forward to answering a lot of those. We've compiled them, and we're going to go through those as time permits today. But before, I want to pray and allow God just to move in our midst and just ask him to come teach us and shape us as we go throughout our service. So God, we love you, we praise you, we worship you. God, I just uh, thank you so much for what you're doing in the life of our church. Life changes taking place. Lord, we just pray that today will be another one of those days where people come to know you, they learn about you, and they grow in their faith. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have any questions today, what we're going to do at the end of this service, we're going to have a little pop quiz, Tim Howie time. So if you want to stump Tim, all right, you can ask him to explain the Trinity in 30 seconds to a parenting question, to whatever question you want to ask. I want to encourage you to go on to Facebook or Twitter. And hashtag visit underscore grace. Hashtag visit underscore grace. All right. Or if you're friends with our worship pastor, Ben Abusada, on Facebook, message him directly. And we will ask Tim a question at the end of the service. So make sure that you think through that. Students that are in here, kids, whatever you want to ask. All right. Make it a good one. So 
we're going to dive in to these questions we have today. And the first one is this. And Christine, I'm going to start with you. Okay, you're a single mom. All right, you're busy. You have two kids. You're successful in what you do. And, and this is a great question. It came from our church over the last several weeks. As a parent, there's so much to do on a weekly basis. How do I find time for grace groups? And how is this helpful? So what would you say to those that feel they're too busy for grace groups or community, whether they're parents or not? What would your encouragement be? And give us your story and what that might look like. So, Sure, thanks. So my name is Christine Innocent. Um, I'm a single mom. I have two awesome kids. I have a daughter. She's 13. I have a son that is 11. Um, my youngest uh, son, Avery, was diagnosed with autism when he was two. And so um, discipling him and his faith has certainly uh, been a journey in and of itself. Um, as Chris mentioned, I'm, I've always been a working mom. I've um, been at the same company for more than 20 years, work um, as a senior leader at a large technology firm. And so uh, available free time is certainly um, <laughs> has always been a challenge for me, not um, something that I have an abundance of. Um, but without question, I really uh, knew that God was calling me to invest in the first disciples. We have the opportunity to disciple, which is our own children. Um, and I really felt him prompting me that I needed roots deeper than what I had at the time. And so um, really trying to figure out where to make time for it, um, it was a challenge. There just weren't enough hours in the day. And so I really got to the point that um, I think my first piece of advice would be prioritize. Um, and if it's not on my calendar, it's definitely not happening. Um, I actually started to adjust my schedule and um, would take vacation on um, usually Wednesdays or Fridays. Well, so you would take vacation time for Grace right. Groups? I was, I take vacation time. I prefer go to the beach. I do that too. And, okay, okay, good. <laughs> I, I, uh, instead of listening to other people's problems, so but that's pretty profound. That's pretty cool. You took vacation time to make sure you could fit it in your schedule. Wow. Yeah, and I, I loved that. You know, the kids knew I was dropping them off at school, and I was um, headed to church um, and meeting with um, you know my grace group that really became extended family um, to us and our family and. Um, the way that they poured into the lives of my children was really amazing as well. Um, and so I, I would just say prioritization is key. Um, the second piece I would say is um, just say yes when you feel God leading you. Um, I, I mentioned earlier there's no question that uh, the Lord knew what I needed long before I knew what I needed. Um, and, you know, really um, being being grounded in his world, in his word, um, without question, during one of the most challenging times in my life. Um, and having this building become not just a building, a place that I would go, but to have the church truly be um, an extended community and part of God's plan for me was um, really life-changing. Mm, that's great. Anders, I'm going to ask you as well. You know, you have young kids as well as I do, and I know some days it seems like we're surviving. You know, I know every stage is different, and with you have teenagers, you're waiting up late for them. For us, the kids don't sleep, they have bad dreams, there's diapers to be changed, and everything that goes along with that, and it seems like time is limited. So could you please give me what y'all's perspective is in regards to community and if it's importance to you and what you've done there? Uh, so again, I'm Anders Franzen. This is my wife, Jolene. Um, Jolene's from the Philippines originally. I'm from Chicago originally, uh, not as far away. Um, <laughs> we do have two young kids, two little girls, um, and uh, I'm a lawyer. Uh, Jolene is super mom, plus she also in her free time, is getting a counseling degree at a local Bible college. So um, certainly free time is not our friend either. Uh, And so uh, prioritization for sure has been key for us. But another thing, especially in our demographic with young kids, I think has been being flexible. Um, And so I guess one piece of advice 
is is to if you try out a time and a place uh, in a certain grace group and it's not working, uh, maybe it'll work based on your expectations for three months, six months, but then your kids change. Uh, be willing to change. Be willing to try out something else. Try out weekends. Try out a different time. Um, we've been in uh, groups, uh, grace groups here uh, for three years as a family, um, and we've seen just a tremendous output uh, in our lives. Uh, we've learned from each other. We've learned uh, individually, grown a lot in our own spirituality. Uh, and we've also been able to model for our children, uh, particularly our, our eldest daughter, who's three, uh, to kind of see that, that that's normal for a Tuesday night for mom and dad to be upstairs studying the Bible uh, and for her to be with her friends. Um, and, and she understands what we're doing. That's been really cool. Mm. That's great. And so it's obvious to me that if you make it a priority, it can happen. And I know everyone here has different life circumstances. And if you're in the cafe, I know life can be busy for you as well. But I just encourage you to make it a priority. It is life-giving. You will grow. And as hard as it is or as awkward as it can be or no matter where you are in your journey, I promise if you lean into it and you're willing to take that step of faith, it can be life-changing, will be life-changing, and you will be a better follower of Jesus because of it. I'm even so, throw out a, a chapter you can read this week because arguably Jesus was just as busy as you, if not more busy than you. And in Mark chapter 6, you see a variety of time management strategies Jesus used because everybody wanted Jesus and his people. Mark chapter 6, read it this week, how Jesus dealt with busyness, prioritization, and investing in people. It's fantastic. Mark 6. Good. Thanks, Tim. All right. So another question. I'm going to ask you, Jolene, if I can. Again, you have young kids. What are some strategies for parents of young children, or children maybe just in general, to stay plugged in? But also, how do you help a young kid expand their worldview? How do you help kids that are three and nine months like you have become outward-focused followers of Jesus? What does that look like? That's hard. Yeah. Um, I'm Jeline. Uh, as Andre said, I grew up in the Philippines. And um, the biggest strategy that works for us, um, being committed um, prioritize your schedule and have the heart of willingness, being willing to do it and not, you know, nobody's forcing you to do it. Um, as far as worldview, um, every time we visit my family in the Philippines, I always, um, try to do something for the ministry that, uh, I came from, uh, the church I came from. Um, I got saved through a feeding program in our small church back home. And so every time we go, um, I always uh, make time for that. And last month, um, my three-year-old and I um, have the chance to do, had the chance to do it. And um, it was very heartwarming seeing her helping prepare the food, um, prepare the Bible stories and the songs for the kids. And knowing that um, I used to do it as a kid, and now my daughter is trying to help me do it. It, it was overwhelming, heartwarming. Um, it was a joyous moment at that time. And uh, last year on her birthday, she's able to collect boxes for Operation Christmas Child um, as a birthday present for her. Instead, um, uh, I, when I was in the Philippines, I was a recipient as well of the boxes, and um, it was very cool seeing her doing that. And um, not that um, not everybody from other country or not everybody can do mission, but here locally, we try to involve her as well. Um, for example, bringing meals to a friend or people from Grace, um, explaining to her, and uh, just in 
letting her be involved um, in that process and telling her that mom and dad wants to do it, uh, so does Jesus wants us to do this. And it's pretty cool that she understands at her age um, what we're doing. So, Cool thing in the Philippines, many years ago, someone decided to be outward focused and they were going to provide food for you and your family. And that's what gave you the opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus and to hear about him. And now you're teaching your daughter to do the same things. And I just want to encourage you, you never know. What you can do, if you take a moment to be outward focused, the lasting impact you can have. And Kathy, I want to ask you the same question. You're a Grace Kids director, friend of mine, so much wisdom. I come to you and say, hey, what do I do here? And you're just great at shaping and investing in the next generation. So I'd love to hear you uh, give us some advice how you'd encourage parents with kids, whether teenagers or toddlers, you have both, and how they can help them become outward focused followers of Jesus. Well, I love what Jeline said, and she really hit it on the mark of if we decide that that's normal for our family, that we're going to be outward-focused followers of Jesus, and that's a priority when we all choose what our family is going to be about. So if that's what we say that we're going to be about as parents, and then rather than putting them in child care or having them go to a friend's house, you just live out Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, which I said a couple weeks ago is my favorite parenting verse, and just bring them along with us. And when they're little, little, they don't get it, you know, all of what it means, but you've made the pattern of what's normal. Just like before we eat, we pray, and now Malin, our two-year-old, reminds us that it's time to pray. She doesn't get it, but it's the pattern. It's her normal. And so some of the other things that we are teaching our family is normal is uh, when they're little, we bought a world map and we began to talk to them about where all the countries are and what all the different needs are. Um, we have told our kids from, um, from when they were little that there are over 3 billion people that have never heard about Jesus because that's just a foreign thing if you live here in Johnson County to think that there are people that have never heard about Jesus and that we've begun to put our finger on where the countries are and to pray for them. And there's even an app. Joshua Project has an app that lists a different people group every day that you can pray for that doesn't know about Jesus. And Malin and I, as a two-year-old, we're starting to do that. Even though she doesn't get it yet, it's what we're teaching her is normal. Uh, we've taken our kids with us to Freedom Fire on Friday nights uh, to serve there or to Antioch Crossing to serve. Like you said to the neighbors, I've read a blog that her family has rice and beans every Monday night because that's the way that a huge percentage of the world lives, and that's all they have. So it's just their practice. That's what they do on Monday nights. So obviously you have to be intentional about it. Whether you're 25 in a grace group, 30 in single in a grace group, or like me, we have kids. In a grace group, our leaders, uh, what, this summer we're picking a day where we're all buying things that will go into a bag to help the homeless. And our grace group leaders encourage us to buy these things, deodorant, toothpaste, so on and so on. And we're going to pack, our kids are going to pack the bags and we're going to pick a night to go together. Let's go north of 119th, Tim. Can you believe that? Oh my, I know that's hard for some people, you know. Uh, we're going to go there and we're going to minister to uh, the greater <laughs> Kansas City area. So I want to encourage you just to be creative and think through different things like that. Another question that we have, I know this is difficult for some people, this series, you know, um, whether you're in here and you're spiritually single, you're going through a divorce, or you are divorced, and you're like, what now? What do I do? Christina, what would you encourage these people, these moms and dads that are in these tough situations right now? How can they find hope in this time, and is it possible for them to still disciple their kids in such circumstances? Sure, absolutely. So um, I think the first thing I would um, say is, you know, the the truth of um, God's word is uh, true. 
Um, it's true for me. It's true for you. Um, it is also true for your children and your family, regardless of whatever situation you may be going through. There um, is absolutely nothing too dark, too hard, uh, too broken that God uh, will not use um, for good. And um, just trusting in the promise of that um, is is huge. Um, I think that, um, you know, There are a couple of uh, scriptures that have certainly been etched on my heart. Um, Isaiah 41.10 is is one that I have clung to for a long time. Um, Fear not, I'm your God. He's my God. He's my children's God. Um, And he's with me and will strengthen me and help me. Um, And I, I absolutely knew that to be true for me. I think it's harder we don't want our children to go through hard stuff. We don't want them to hurt. Um, it was harder for me to believe that to be true for my children and to know that God would be with them and strengthen them and help them um, through that time and really allowing um, me to disciple them and then in turn to see what that might look like for each of them. And um, I'll give you an example. Um, so every Mother's Day, I'm with, as with many people, I, I'm just so in awe and thankful. Um, and I tell my children every Mother's Day how grateful I am that God chose me to be their mom. Um, and uh, I ask them all the time, you know, so in both your spiritual life and your personal life, at every age it's different, you know, what can I be doing as your mom to really help you? Um, and so my daughter, who's 13, last year on Mother's Day, she asked me if I would um, lead a Bible study for her and her friends. She knew I had led some other studies um, and grace groups here before. Um, and I was just humbled. Um, and so every Tuesday after school, this little band of girls in their backpacks coming straight from middle school would mm. um, head into my basement um, and be singing Holy Spirit come, um, and opening up God's word together. Um, and what was so, um, so amazing to me was to, during this time, watch how I was supposed to be leading and Sydney was leading, uh, sharing, you know, her praise and worship list that she listens to in the morning with her friends, um, and pointing them to God's word when they were talking about things that they were struggling with in school. Um, and what notably was probably what most people would say, in her young life, one of the most challenging times. Uh, My son, Avery, that um, is 11, uh, recently was baptized uh, at church, and uh, watching his video is absolutely overwhelming. I think he's really had to work um, hard and to struggle through figuring out what what does faith really look like for him to own that, Um, and to listen to him speak about the depth at which he knows that his Holy Father loves him um, and that he doesn't care who knows about it um, and that the Lord has been a great help to him um, is amazing. I think just a true promise that regardless of what you're going through in this room, um, God's word is true. He will use it for good, um, and he will walk with you every step of the way. Thank you for being willing to share and being vulnerable from that standpoint. Is one spiritual parent enough? You know, another qu- question someone had is, spiritually single or I've been divorced and I'm the only committed parent shaping our kids. Is that enough? Is one parent enough? David? Uh, that was a question I, I can remember asking myself when I was a single dad <clears throat> because I so much wanted to continue the spiritual heritage that had been handed on to me. And, um, but I took great courage and I looked in the Bible and I saw a great example. Timothy, who was Paul's disciple, had two people that had significant spiritual impact in his life. His mother and his grandmother. So absolutely, one person is enough. Kathy, I think you lived through that process, didn't you? When my marriage broke up, I was completely devastated, not only because of the loss of that relationship, but 
that loss of the feeling of we are going to be a normal family. I didn't have that to offer my kids anymore, and I kind of wallowed in that till my little four-year-old son came, and he put his two little chubby hands up on my face, and he said, Mama, when are you ever going to stop crying? I knew I had to get it together. Oh, I'm still not stopping crying. <laughs> um, but I knew that it had to be the three of us plus Jesus in our lives. And so I surrounded myself with people who loved God, loved us, and loved my children. And I'm so pleased to tell you that my children are following Jesus Christ today. And not only is one mom enough, one dad enough, but Jesus is more than enough to do that for you. So take this step further. How about those blended families? You know, I know there's people in this room or those that are in the venue that have a blended family and they're struggling and you expect a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old who didn't know each other for most of their lives, they you get married and they have to live together and be siblings. How does that work? And I've seen uh, students on Sunday nights come one Sunday night. They can't come the next Sunday night to grace students because they're at a different house at their mom or their dad's house and there's not as much consistency. So is it possible for blended families to actually come together? Is it possible to disciple kids in that environment? So David? Um, first of all, the, the short answer is yes. Uh, but I will tell you, when Kathy and I first got married, um, we kind of wondered if it was ever going to work together. Um, Ron Deal has written a book called Smart Step Families. And in that book, he refers to this situation not as blended families, but as crockpot families. Um, the picture is obvious. Uh, you know what happens to people or things that get into a blender. But crockpots work because there's low heat. And it takes a longer period of time. In fact, he says in that book, the average step family needs around seven years to really form a family identity. So it takes time, but God's grace is available even in those situations. I told David our family was more like trail mix. Everybody just kind of stayed the same and thrown in the same pot. But, um <laughs> And he's very generous in saying that it was after we were married. It really started when we were dating. And his oldest daughter really despised me and called me names. I'm not going to share with you what she called me. Um, But I tried everything, and it didn't work. And so I knew that I was going to have to turn to the one who could fix it for me, the only one. And so every Tuesday, I spent praying and fasting for our relationship and Not just specifically that God would change her, but that he would change me. Because I knew she was still going through a grief process, too. I was sort of the last nail in the coffin of any chance that her family would ever be normal again. And so I began to pray. It took a long time. And if you're in that situation, maybe seven years sounded kind of discouraging to you. But really, there's a lot of hope there. Your story's not over. It's going to continue. It takes work. It takes a long time. And there's some tough things along the way. But just this last February, I got this text from her. She's got her own family now, and this is what she said. Just wanted to let you know how thankful I am that you loved me enough to continue to share God's love through my teenage years. Your encouragement and godly advice is so important to me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Love the redemptive power of that and the redemptive nature of Christ. And I don't know where you sit today. I don't know what's going on in your life and what you're struggling with. I want to let you know your story is not over. Your life is not done. God wants to continue to use you and to shape you and to mold you into what he wants the best for you. And he's so good. And yes, it takes time. 
but just lean into that. And so I just look forward to hearing many of your stories of the same vein, if you will, of what God's going to do in his faithfulness there. And so now we have a question. Tim, I've been able to ask you a question. So Tim Howie, okay, this is how I'm going to introduce you. All right, you ready for this? From the pineapple to the big apple. Internationally known and accepted. Stanford grad to pastor dad. The brains and the bronze. He often gets mistake as the fawns. Your spiritual papa and mine. Tim Howie. So, now, I can't take credit let's for just, that. Let's just pray for Chris. Lord, <laughs> Lord I know he's probably having hey. TIAs going off in his brain right now. Yeah. And these little mini strokes. Would you just help? Okay, go ahead. Well, I, I can't take credit for that one. That was Luke Lauber who wrote that one for me. Oh. So our, our resident family worships director. I will so. love Luke the same way yes, when I see him. They, I that sounds good. <laughs> All right, so what's All up? right, so the question is this, is God's word says do not provoke your kids to wrath, yeah, but yeah. train them up in the Lord. What does that look like? You're supposed to tease your kids. Unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, for a parent, there's actually two verses that summarize two accidents. I think only parents do this on purpose, but you can send them two dysfunctional directions so they don't care about your faith. They reject your faith. And so the two verses, one is Ephesians 6, 4, which says don't provoke your child to wrath. In the Greek, it actually literally means sending them to anger. Don't let your actions as a parent send your child to anger so they don't care about your faith. The opposite direction, just as dysfunctional, accidental, is Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And in Greek, it literally means no heart. They get no passion, no heart. So either you send them to anger and they don't care about your faith, or you gut them of their heart and passion so they don't care about your faith. And so I was wondering, what kinds of things could a parent do that could either send them to anger or discouragement so they don't care about your faith anymore? I just made a a little list here that all of us do it to some degree, so don't beat yourself up, but it's the consistency of it. A parent's unreasonable demands or unreasonable punishments, petty rules, favoritism by the parent, injustice by the parent, hypocrisy by the parent, abuse by the parent. If a parent doesn't love their child or when they're there doesn't interact with their child, they're disengaged or doesn't make time for their child or doesn't live for God before their child. Like all all these kind of reasons could either send them to anger or discouragement. Now, frankly, I do this in my family. My wife's very good about coming to me and saying, hey, Tim, do you realize like the comment you made or the way you said it I watched after they responded, their, their heart responded this way. So thankful for her because I do this. We all do this. You don't beat yourself up. You circle back. And there are times I apologize to my kids. Later on in privacy, I'm like, listen, I, th- I think my words were either too harsh or the tone I used. I was totally wrong. And there's power when a parent sits down with a child and just says, I was wrong. My tone was wrong. My words were wrong. I should never speak to you that way. Would you please forgive me? That's powerful because we all do these kinds of things to send them to anger or discouragement. We want to make sure we circle back and they see us as human and we're pointing them to the Father. Mm, Powerful. You know, I think of all the negativity in society today and all the criticism our kids or our disciples hear. And I just want to encourage you as people that are following after Christ to speak life into people, speak blessing into people. I love the Bible verse, Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be full of grace, 
season with salt so you may know how to answer everyone. Just look your kids in the eyes when they come home from school or when you get home from work and just speak truth into them. That's the opposite of provoking them to wrath. Love on them, care for them, encourage them. I love looking into my son's or my daughter's eyes and just saying all the great qualities about them and encouraging them and speaking God's word over them. Look at your wife or your son or your mom or your disciple or someone in your grace group and just care for them and speak truth into them and encourage them. Life is way too short to just look at the negative in people all the time and try to tease people and try to agitate them and aggravate them, encourage them. There was a Grace Kids leader that works our Grace Kids, and he was telling me the other day, he said, I try every single time I come here on a weekend to find five kids and speak blessing into them. That's shaping and encouraging the next generation, and I would encourage you to do so. Another question, this is a hard question, because there's people in here that have invested hours into a disciple or hours into a kid, and they ask this question, why doesn't anyone ever address the fact You can do all these things we talked about. Launch me, love me, talk to me, walk with me. You can do all these things. And my kids may still not follow the Lord. What then? What can I do? David? Well, I I think of two things. One is uh, you need to ask yourself, um, did I do everything I could? Or if you're in the process, um, am I doing everything I can? Can I make some changes? Um, I know when I look back in my life, I, um, there's certain some things I, I, I miss out. I, I wish I knew then what I know about parenting now. Um, there's some things I could have done. Would it have made a difference? We'll never know. But the second point kind of plays on that, and that is the fact that um, kids have to make their own decisions. You can do all the training. You can disciple them. You can point them in the right direction. But the fact of the matter is, it has to become their faith, and so they have to make their own decision. That's why there are no family memberships in heaven. Um, we're living this question right now. Our oldest son made a profession of faith when he was a senior in high school, but there's little evidence of that in his life now, and he has no interest in things of God, really apathetic the things of God. Um, so it's a matter of focus for us. It's a matter of prayer. It, 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 it tears at our heart. It breaks it. Um, but we pray for him. I meet with him all the time, talk to him, continue to prod him and, and encourage him in that direction. But here's what we're praying for him. And we're praying him, for him the same thing we prayed for all our kids when they went to college. That maybe it's not me, but God would bring someone else into their life that would have significant influence in that and bring them back, draw them back to God. One of the things that encourages me is a little treasure in the story of the prodigal son. It's actually what isn't included that's the encouragement. Never once in that story is the the father berated or uh, shamed for not doing something right with his son when he left. Um, in fact, what the father does is he continues on to work. He's got one eye looking for his son, hoping he comes back, praying for him, I'm sure. Um, but um, there's some conversation in that story that talks about fields. So he's still working. And one of the things that David and I have found is um, with all of our children as they've gotten older and we have less influence and a lot of them have moved away is God has given us a new generation of children, spiritual children. I got to hug one of those girls before 
the service today. People not blood-related to us that we're getting to build into their lives in our grace groups. David has a Monday night grace group. Um, I have a Wednesday morning one called Moms with Minions. And um, starting one on Monday nights of young women who some have not married yet and don't have kids yet, some that do. Um, and also becoming involved of Moms of Grace. If you are a mom of any age, you can be a part of Moms of Grace. We're not just for preschool moms. Shameless plug, the registration for the fall is already open, so you can join us. We need people to build into the lives of these young women, too. I think I could add on that one. Um, Kathy's been discipling me for years, and um, my mom and I, we don't have that spiritual relationship like Kathy and I have. And um, she's such a blessing to me and to my family as well. And I'm just grateful to know her. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, as I mentioned earlier, your story is not done. And I I have a sibling that struggled for most of her life and struggled with following the Lord. And my parents were very intentional. We had family devotions on a daily basis. My parents cared, invested into us relationally and hours and hours and times went on family vacations all the things you think, if I do this right, A plus B equals C, right? And it doesn't always work that way. But here's one thing I'd encourage you if you're sitting there today and you're a parent. I see my dad be consistent. I see my dad have grace. I've seen my dad get on his knees and pray for hours. And he still loves my sister just as much as he does me or my other siblings. And so I just want to encourage you, your life is not done. You never know what God is working in. And if you're discipling, I've worked in student ministry for many years and you invest in a 15-year-old and they don't pay attention to you a lot of the time and they do their own thing and they graduate and they fall away, they stop coming to church. And then it's fun to see three or four years later, God begin to work in their life. And then when they pick up the phone and say, thank you for being consistent, thank you for not giving up on me, that's when it's just such a powerful time. So don't give up. Just continue to press forward and lean into what God has for you. So we got a question now. We had several questions come in, and I got one for you, Tim. So uh, drum roll, all right. Let, can you hear drum roll, people? Those of you in the cafe and venue, here we go. What's the best way to bring someone to Christ if they believe somewhat but are stubborn to let God work in their life? How do you answer the hard questions they ask? ask excuse me, such as, why is it when I go to church, I get nothing out of it? What would you tell this person as they're trying to witness and push this person to Jesus? Well, I'd say they need to leave Grace Church because you get nothing out of it. So yes. I'd say, <laughs> just a joke here. But, uh, so, I mean, that's a hard one. Someone so, just left. If you're very, I know. <laughs> Obviously, they're, I see them. They're getting nothing out of it. It's fantastic. They love you guys. <laughs> but uh, so here's the deal. I think if somebody's really close, praying and staying in conversation, the spirit will move in their life when they're ready. And I kind of talk to people. I, I don't want to push someone to receive Christ before they feel comfortable. In fact, one of, the, one of the things we've done with Grace is try to have the environment that you would invite your friends. We work very, very hard to teach the Bible with depth, but in ways you wouldn't be embarrassed to bring your friends far from God. And I've been in part of churches that I would never bring a friend far from God because I'm embarrassed of what would happen. I love it, but I would never bring my friend because I'd have to explain away and apologize everything going on in the church. I'm sorry for this, sorry for that. But here's the deal. I think you try to encourage them and say, I'm praying for you. You'll know when you know. And if you get a question you don't answer, just admit, I don't know. But you go research, you will bring it back. God wants them to receive Christ far more than you. And being a partner and not pushing them, 
I guess, can you partner with the Spirit of God? Don't push them. Because you push them a decision, somebody else is going to push them right out of a decision later on. They've got to know to their core that today is the day uh, to receive, receive Christ as Savior. And if, if, if a church is not meeting that need, life is too short. Life is just too short to be part of a church that you're getting nothing out of spiritually of, of the church environment. So here's the question we have for you. We talked about discipleship series. This is a very, very important series. This parenting series applies to all of us. Your mind goes to kids in the house. It's primarily spiritual parenting, which is discipleship, which applies to every single one of us making disciples. Two quick questions. Number one, question number one. Are you a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus? Think in your mind, are you a disciple of Jesus? See, what does that mean? A disciple is a word that means literally a learner who follows. So are you continuing to learn? You cannot be a disciple of Jesus unless you have more learnings, unless God continues to teach you and you're following God in those learnings. So are you living as a disciple of Jesus? Continuous learning. God's still speaking to you. You're still growing and you're following him in those learnings. Are you a follower, a disciple of Jesus? The first question. Here's the second question. If you are a follower of Jesus, who else are you helping mentor? You're, you're a spiritual parent because you're part of Grace Kids Ministry or Grace Students Ministry or you're in part of a grace group. You're discipling or you're going out to Kansas City Rescue Mission, investing in those ladies who've been abused. We're giving Christ love. You're making disciples somewhere. How are you making disciples? That is why we live in this world. To share God's love with grace, partner with him, and make disciples grow spiritually. That is how we bring him honor and glory. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this chance to, to worship, to hear these stories. I've been encouraged and challenged by these men and women with different backgrounds, different hurts, different challenges, different journeys than mine. Um, but it's been good. Thank you so much for their story. I pray for every single person who is worshiping wherever they're at, that if they're not a follower of Jesus, that right now in prayer, they'd surrender totally to you and give their life to you, Jesus, by faith. They would pray right now to receive you as Savior, to ask forgiveness for their sins based on your cross and resurrection. They'd pray right now to surrender everything to you. If someone has made that profession of faith, but they're no longer living like a disciple, they would rejoin the lifelong learning process and following what they're learning. And may all of us be a part of making disciples for you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.